This is episode 55 of the Creative Giants Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks for joining me. It's no secret that I'm a fan of planning, so having Rebecca Riscotti, founder of four successful businesses, one of which is Top Down Planner, for episode 55 was a real treat. We jam about how important it is for planning to be based on your values and goals, and that the point of planning isn't the plan, but that they drive us toward success and happiness. Oh, and that planning creates luck. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. I'm happy to introduce Rebecca Riscotti. Rebecca is a serial entrepreneur who creates problem-solving consumer goods that are in the hands of over half a million people around the world and have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, multiple episodes of ABC's Shark Tank, Good Morning America, and more. Riscotti began her entrepreneurial career at the age of 25 in New York City. In the past decade, she has built four brands with unique creative products, including City Kitty, Hoodie Pillow, Top Down Planner, and Blanky Tales, while raising three children and residing in Yardley, Pennsylvania with her husband. Rebecca joins me to discuss one of my favorite topics, planning, and about how plans drive us towards success and happiness and also create luck. I'm excited to see where this goes. All righty, Creative Giants, and I'm here with Rebecca Riscotti, and we are going to be just really jamming on planning because um, Rebecca's now launched, what, four companies? Yep, four. And her third one was actually top-down planners, which we'll talk a little bit about those, but really talk about planning in general because I think we're both going to be planning nerds, and that's always fun when you can get another planning nerd on the call. But, you know, really, you had two companies prior to top-down planners. What made you think about launching that particular product? I was had a challenge with trying to stay focused and get everything done. And I had had my businesses for, at that point, seven, eight years. And I had that feeling of overwhelm that people start to get. And I also have children and I'm like the caregiver of my kids and I'm getting them on and off the bus. And I'm, so I'm juggling what they, they need to do. And then what my needs were, and I was just in this rut after the second company feeling like I'm more successful than I've ever been, but I'm not happier. And, you know, everything on paper looks good, but I am not feeling great. And so how can I get control of not only my schedule, but also how I'm feeling about how I spend my time and what I dedicate my time to. And that looking for a product to do that feeling, realizing that nobody was really doing it is why I created Top Down Planner. I am one of those people, if it's not made or created, I will turn around and make it just for fun because I enjoy product creation. Yeah, I found the same thing when I created the planners like that we have on our website a long time ago too. I was, you know, just like, ah, like this is not fitting. You go into an office supply store and you just look at a blank open schedule and it's like, thanks, you told me how many hours there are in a day. I kind of knew that already, <laughs> right? That's not really helping me. Um, and so your methodology, um, one of the reasons it's top down is you start with what vision and purpose and then you go to, prod, or you go to goals and you have to do's and that's the way your sort of methodology works, correct? Yeah, so it's planning with these big things that you have in your mind that you want to get done and figuring them out first and then also figuring out your values and then drilling down from there. Um, and also the planner itself really embraces the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule. And 
I mean, that's just one of the things people don't take that into respect when they're actually planning that 20% of what you spend your time on yields 80% of the results. So if you think about that in proportion of your life and how you spend your time, you're wasting a majority of your schedule in a 40 hour work week. I mean, how many hours is that? You're talking about like 30 some hours is, is not going to yield much results, but these five, six hours that you dedicate will. And how could you flip things and actually concentrate on those things only and possibly be more successful from it? Yeah, but I think you and I probably get the same concern maybe from some of our customers in the sense where I looked in on your to-dos, there were maybe eight or nine lines in the to-dos that, that you could do under that. Yeah. And um, I stick with five because I've noticed this, that most people, like when you look at um, what we do for today, like five core projects, you know, are really the limit of what people are going to be able to do. Most people honestly do like two or three, right? <laughs> um, um, but there's this idea that like, if they focus just on those things that really matter most, what about everything else, Rebecca? What do they do with those? They don't matter. <laughs> that's what happened. I mean, that's the truth of it, that this other stuff actually is not really doing that much for you. And so that's like, I went through, and I, when I came to this realization in like 2014, I started to go through and look at everything I was spending my time on and realizing that it really not only didn't align with what I, my goals were, but it didn't align with my values and they weren't important to me. And I guess a good example would be, I had this retail strategy for my first two product lines, Hoodie Pillow and City Kitty. And the, those products are moderately successful retail products, not huge. And so when it comes to growing the businesses, if I wanted to grow the businesses and that was my goal, I wasn't really growing them through focusing on retail, but yet retail was consuming so much of my time. So I started to look at it and go, well, okay, my goal is 5% business growth. That's not a huge goal. And I'm going, this thing is taking up literally 80% of my time and contributing not much to the bottom line. And so I completely cut it out. And when I did that, it opened up my schedule. So there are things that even what we do in business that like, just because you're there for 40 hours a week doesn't mean you're effective the whole time. There are things that we have in our schedule that don't yield much results. And I say, you just cut them out altogether and focus on these high value things that not like not bring you just personal value, but also maybe value at work. So normally, well, one of the reasons I'm loving that we're having the conversation today is because you're a woman and you're a mom. Yeah. And when we start talking a lot about productivity and planning, it's very uh, male focused in a lot of ways, like a lot of male thought leaders on it. You don't see a lot of women really um, pushing planning. Um, and, you know, you and I were talking before this, especially from an entrepreneurial point of view, there's this kind of view that like planning really doesn't matter. You can just follow your heart or do what, do what you're passionate about or you know, there's those types of things that I'm sure you've heard as well. Um, and so a lot of the pushback that I get when I'm explaining this type of thing, especially I've learned from, from women, is that, yeah, but you don't have kids and you're a guy. You just don't understand. <laughs> okay, so I qualify to talk on this topic because I, I am a female and I have the kids. So I'm qualified. Um, I, I think that the method of planning go in top down planner takes into account the family. Cause that actually is one of the most important things to me is like, I am there to put my kids on the school bus every morning and get them off the school bus. And that leaves me like six hours in between. And how can I be most effective with that amount of time that I have? Um, and I approach this whole thing from, you know, a perspective of not just a mom, but also from an entrepreneur and also from, you know, a full-time worker and that kind of thing. Um, but I think part of it is to really start at the beginning, how important values are in planning and they're not included in planners. Like there, you'd be hard pressed to find a planner that talks actually begins with values. 
And I think values um, are, are closely tied to how happy you are. And if the reason that we do this, all, all of this, right, working every day and working every week is to, you know, produce an income so that we can then feed ourselves and be happy, that, that that's important to talk about first. Um, and that's really how Top Down Planner begins. It takes you through the process of going, okay, let's talk about your values first. Let's talk about what you want to do. And then let's fit that kind of stuff into your schedule. Um, let's start. Th- that's the beginning. And then what you do during the week comes after. Yeah. I, the thing about it is, and I, I think we both have this going is, um, and I got it from Covey. Well, I, I attribute it to Covey, but it's, the, it's important not to prioritize your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Yeah. Right. And we're saying the same thing when it comes around values and, and things like that is that when we look at a lot of the way people plan, they start by looking at everything they need to do and then getting overwhelmed and sort of giving up. Right. As opposed to what are the things that matter for me, irregardless of what happens in the world. Right. Where, where is my inner world at before I start looking at the outer world, um, which is largely saying that same thing. So on that line, you know, I love that you have values in the top-down planner too. Um, how, how do you work with your customers to ensure that like the values exercise doesn't become this sort of either existential or entrepreneurial navel-gazing that keeps them from actually doing stuff? Because sometimes that happens. I think the exercise is simple and we're talking about a 15 minute exercise. So in the, the span of planning an entire year, I'm talking about 15 minutes here. Um, I mean, it literally, t- I mean, what the top down planner does is it walks you through and it help, quickly explains to you in one paragraph, like what are values? And everybody knows what they are, right? What do you value? They understand that concept. And it's like, okay, if you understand the concept, then what are yours? Um, and then it gives you a list of 75 different values. And you literally just go down this list and circle them off. And at, that doesn't take long to do. And to give you the best example, like for me, like they were, my values are honesty and integrity and family and financial security and flexibility, right? Those are my main values. Why it's powerful in figuring them out is that when you start to schedule and you actually start to do legitimate planning, you can go back to your values and go, oh my God, you know, this time that I'm spending on social media, I actually don't even value it to begin with. Um, or, you know, what I do often is like, if family is so important to me, then why am I working when my kids are home from school and sitting at the computer while they're having snack? Like, why aren't I there if that's what's important to me? And it's a, it, it gives you the ability to do a check, um, like on yourself and what you say is important and then keeping you honest with it in black and white on paper. Um, so it's an easy exercise. It, it, there's no excuse to not do it. I don't think it has to be, and that's why I created Top Down Planner. I don't think it has to be like you read this novel about it and you understand what values what, and all these case studies and whatever. None of that. 15 minutes, figure out what they are, circle them, and just be mindful of them because it, they really help you make easier decisions in the future. And to give you another example, I love giving examples. So you'll hear this as we do this interview. Um, one of my values is like honesty and integrity, right? So I was in um, with City Kitty in the direct response space where we were selling, I positioned City Kitty as an as-seen-on-TV product, one of these, but wait, there's more products. When I got into that space, though, and was networking with those types of people, when I read stories about direct response companies, I did not like what I read. It wasn't, that wasn't an industry or a space that operated with honesty and integrity. Their whole thing is, let me sell you something and then literally double down on your shipping charges and hope you don't notice on your credit card statement. And the whole time I was in that space, I felt uncomfortable. And 
I was, it was like eating me up inside. And it was because that, those were not aligned with my values. And so when you predetermine what these values are, you're able to kind of do a quick gut check and cut out things that actually at the end of the day will not make you feel any better about yourself if you do them. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Um, there's a Chinese quote that I'm going to butcher here. Um, and there's, it's like three fra- phrases. I wish I would have looked at this earlier. Um, but it's like, um, the first thing is to know what the rules of the game are. The second is to know what winning looks like. And the third is to figure out if you want to play the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we look at either business or we look at our career, or when we look at like different life goals, a lot of times we don't look at those three things. We just sort of play in the game and then realize, Oh, wait a second. Like this is, should I even be on this boat? Yeah. yeah. I mean, people don't realize they actually have choices. I think a lot of people feel that they don't have choices, but I just don't believe that. I mean, I have, I make choices every single day with how I spend my time, um, with how I operate my businesses, with how we handle our customers, all of that kind of stuff. And all of that, you know, if you want to feel good about all those decisions that you make, you need to really understand what your values are. And really, and, and by doing that, you understand, do I want to play in this game or not? And so you're making decisions because you actually want to be there. I think a lot of times people wake up and go, what the hell am I doing here? I'm, I'm, I'm involved in a scam. I didn't even know it because you didn't, you didn't ask and you didn't think about it. Well, a lot of times, where we're, whether we're talking about higher level strategy or whether we're talking about midterm planning or anything or, or looking at our daily schedule, it comes down to saying no. Yeah. And I think that courage and discipline is the thing that's lacking in so many people in the sense of you, you realize that like, if you say yes to everything, you're not really saying yes to your values, not really saying yes to what matters most um, because you're not going to complete everything. Yeah. And um, you know, the things that matter most, I call it your best work. Um, your best work always gets displaced by other stuff, right? Yeah. Cause it's hard, right? That's, that's one of the reasons why we don't do our best work is because sometimes it could be hard. Um, in what way does the top-down planner really um, support people saying no? I Well, I, there's two ways. I mean, one in the beginning, how it has you go through this values thing and then also declaring these goals. And because people don't do that, just seeing what they actually want to have happen down on black and white is a very powerful thing because the act of writing actually like scientifically is proven to solidify information in the brain, right? So it's that repetitive nature of learning something. When you were in school and you needed to remember something, you were studying for science, whatever it was, if you wrote stuff down, it helped you remember it. It's the same thing with goal setting. Um, so that's one of the reasons because the act of the way top-down planner works is it uses scientific principles to help you remember it. The second thing is, is how, it keep, how it keeps you in alignment is simply the format of the planner that instead of having the schedule at the top of the planner, like most planners, when you open up Franklin Covey is all about the whole 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. what's going on at that time frame. Every single planner you look at, you go to Staples, that's how they're formatted. Top-down planner is different because at the top of it, it is all about values and goals. So it has five columns to allow you to declare what are your top goals that you want to work on and what are to do's are associated with them. So in the nature of way, the way it is designed, it puts these things that you want to see have happen in your life as a priority. And when you are looking at something and that is listed at the top, it shows you hierarchy, right? So that we are visual learners. I, I studied graphic design in college. It's no mistake that I designed a planner and formatted it like specifically to like literally manipulate the way people think by putting their goals at the top. I am manipulating you to value them above all others. So that's what it does. 
So visually it's up there and it's hierarchy in the hierarchy of the whole things, those goals should be up at the top too. Um, so it does it the two ways, one by having you do those exercises and then two in the format and design of it, it takes into consideration that you should be thinking about these things before anything else. Absolutely. Same thing for our planners as well. I mean, the, the thing that we don't take seriously enough is that the tools that we use inform how we think. And yeah. if the tools that we use um, are either open schedules and things like that, then that's how we're going to think about time. Like, oh, we have eight to five. That's when work happens. What about everything else? And so that's why, like, even in our project planner series, um, I have to go back and look at it, but we don't even have like a calendar in the sense that there's no eight to five in there because for who that's designed for that are so project focused and doing creative work and deadline driven, it actually doesn't matter whether they wake up and start working at eight or three. It's irrelevant. They just know they need to get these things done during this day. And that's what matters, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where, where we have to look is, um, you know, I was talking to someone before um, this interview and they're like, doesn't Rebecca make planners and you make planners too? Aren't you guys competing? And I'm like, well, no. I like about planners. <laughs> yeah, we're, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about planning and planners, right? So mm -hmm. it's, um, it's one of those where like different tools are going to meet different people, right? And just meet them where they are, right? I imagine that those planners that, that we're talking about, say at the Office Depot, they're working for somebody, I think, right? Otherwise, people wouldn't buy them. We can hope. I don't know. If you saw a visual right now with my face. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think that they allow you to schedule your appointments in the same way that your Google Calendar, like on your phone, allows you to schedule appointments. It's a scheduler. Mm -hmm. That's what I see them as. And it's also like a scratch pad. It's a place to put down stuff and to like document it, like where it happened. And I, I would imagine it does those things probably well. Yeah. Um, and some of them are really pretty too, right? They've got the leather, yeah. the leather things outside. So some of them look really nice too. So, I mean, they're working for different people, but the thing about it is, is my big thing and, and why I wanted to bring you on and why we, why we want to talk about planning here, right? Is because I think so many people find tools like that that don't work for them and they assume that the methodology of planning doesn't work like oh we don't need to make plans plans never work I tried planning one time and what they mean is I tried to use a Franklin Covey planner and it didn't work for me yeah. so all planning doesn't work um, but between top-down planner you've got Daniela Port's desired mapping you've got mine there are all these tools that really tap into the different ways that we think and work you know I want to invent another word that is like, because I see the word planning, I think is what trips everybody up because planning is exactly what a planner should do. But planners on the market don't plan. They are just appointment schedulers. So like, I almost wish I could rework the entire market space and take everything that's calling itself a planner and call it a scheduler and then take genuine planners that help you plan the act of planning and like rename everything or, or I feel like we're missing a word in our vocabulary or maybe I need to go back to the Latin derivative or something. But do you feel me on this? Like I feel I like, do. like it, they're different product categories. That's the thing. Yeah. Completely different product categories. And yeah. unfortunately, um, so the funny thing is when you teach about planning, you teach about productivity, like these are, okay, so I've been doing a lot of writing on this, somewhat of a tangent, maybe not, there are no tangents. And the fact of the matter is we don't have a unified word for big project, right? There's like a, like a mansion is a big house, right? We understand that, but there's no, there's no word for big project yet. 
every day we see more big projects than we do mansions. Why mm -hmm. the hell is that, right? <laughs> that, yeah. And so there are these linguistic gaps and the challenges that we face is that like this stuff should be what we teach our kids in school. This, you know, should be a course in college, like how to do planning, how to schedule, how like time management, all these things need to be a part of our vocabulary in the way that we do. Otherwise we get up and, you know, we realize at 28 that we have no idea how the hell to do our work. Maybe right. we should adapt some like German words, like the Uber, how it's like literally just been entrenched in the United States. Like we need to go into like German, like German and go, is there a word here that says big goal or big plan, big project? Maybe they have it. Well, <laughs> coming from a philosophy background. And so when I don't understand something, um, I actually go back to the Greek and Latin. Okay. Uh, is there not, one? A Greek and Latin word? I haven't looked for this one. Normally I go for um, personal development type things like erite, which means virtue and, you know, those types of things. But the challenge is, is when you go forward, that gets lodged in your brain and then you like can't, you can't talk to people because they're like, what the hell does that mean? Why don't you just use a normal word? You're like, the normal words are insufficient. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just insufficient. But um, how do you say that Latin word? I don't know. Well, I think this is where the challenge comes in for like people like you and me, I, that, that a new re-education has to happen in the market of really what planning is and what the power of planning. And I think it's starting to get there. You've definitely seen that movement happen in the past, like five years, the planner space has completely changed, mm -hmm. but there's still so much more work to be done. Um, and that's kind of really all done in marketing and messaging. And that takes dedication and time for on the part of a company really spearheading this whole theory, which I often think I'm going to spearhead things. And then, um, you know, it's, that takes, it takes a lot. I mean, just like kind of Steve Jobs spearheaded really beautiful, fantastic, thoughtful design when it came to computers and technology, like somebody needs to spearhead this. Yeah. For you. you can do it. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing it. Well, I mean, the thing about it is I've been doing it since 2007, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just really one of those things to where it's like you're still talking about planning and productivity. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. because I haven't explained it well enough yet, right? Yeah. Um, or there's more re-education that's needed. And well, it takes a while, right, for a, a market to adapt and to, and also for you to adapt your messaging until until it finally resonates with the marketplace. Like I have been there with product launches, and like it's you, you're on your fourth year, going, wait, no, I, I think I got the message right this time because a lot of times consumers just don't get it. And I was actually at this speaking engagement last night. Um, I was watching somebody speak. Excuse me. Um, the um, uh, the gentleman who brought Uggs over from the United States or, or from Australia into the United States. And it was fascinating because he was saying like how when he brought Uggs over first year in like the early 1970s, and he was like, they're so popular in Australia, this for sure will work. And everybody's like, why do I want these? And it took him like decades to actually get people to understand why they would want these shoes. And it was constant changing of the marketing, the messaging, the photos they were using because he kept making mistakes, improving along the way and eventually getting it. Obviously, eventually getting it because now they do a billion dollars a year in sales. But um, it takes a long time to figure it out and to get it right. And I, I mean, I'm still there with Top Down Planner. It's, it's like... You know, I, I imagine it's going to take years for people to go, oh, I want to I want to plan that way top down. Like that's what how I want to do my planning. Absolutely. Um, and I noticed. So, again, this is top down planners was your third business, your fourth one. Oh, I'm going to screw the name up again. What's the fourth one? Blanky tails. Blanky tails. Um, <laughs> what I love about blanky tails is like you don't have to just explain the product. Right. So, well, describe the product. 
It, it is. Um, we currently have shark and mermaid blankets. So they almost look like a sleep sack made out of super comfy fleece um, that the kids can just hop into. And they look like a mermaid's tail. They look like a shark's tail. The kids just absolutely love them. You, and, and exactly what you said, you look at this product and you just get it. There's no explanation needed. Um, and we'll be coming out with other ones in 2016. But it's funny. This is what I've always wanted, right? When I first started a business, I said, I want something that I don't have to explain to people, but yet I, I kept making products that I had to explain to people. I mean, top down planner is all about explaining to people why they need to plan differently. And you need to do hour long calls like this to get people to understand where blanky tails, you just get it straight out of the gate. And I was sitting down with one of my employees the other day and, and I was just, I mean, blanky tails is doing phenomenally. And I was saying to her, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this, I'm realizing like this is everything I've always dreamed of, but she's my employee that actually does our shipping and receiving. And so she has to do all these orders and she goes to me, this is not what I've always dreamed of. (laughs) I think we need to go back to my value statement, Rebecca. Because it's bananas right now with Blanky Tales. But um, yeah, what I've always dreamed of, but actually am I doing interviews about Blanky Tales? No, I'm still talking about good planning and trying to help people think about their lives differently. Planner. So that's, that's, if you want to know where my values lie, that's it. I, I love selling fun goods, but I love talking about helping people feel empowered. Yeah. I mean, your second product, what was it? City Kitty? Mm. The first one was City Kitty. The second one was Hoodie Pillow. Okay. So explain City Kitty to us. City Kitty is a toilet training kit for cats. So for people that have a litter box and that's 38 million households in the United States, you can get rid of your litter box and actually train your cat to use the toilet. And I started that company when I was 24, living in New York City, 500 square feet, no place to have hide my cat's litter box, and decided to toilet trainer. And the interesting thing was this cat was 11 years old and nothing in her personality indicated to me she would use a toilet. And she just hopped right up there and started going. And if you are a cat owner, you understand the pain of having a litter box. It's disgusting. The litter gets tracked everywhere. It smells. It costs you money. And to get rid of it is just such a dream. And so I created this training device because I thought, oh my gosh, millions of people are going to want to toilet train their cat. Um, and to date, I mean, not I haven't sold millions of them, but I've sold like a half million of them and that's a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, and so it has this own niche niche in the um, uh, cat training or the cat market really because you've got all these households that have litter boxes, not everybody wants to toilet train their cat and a certain percentage of people do do the cat toilet training and they buy City Kitty. Yeah. The reason I wanted to go back to that one is on the, the genesis of, of your entrepreneurial sort of journey here is with City Kitty and now you're back to Blanky Tales, right? So um, both, you're, both are brilliant because you're just such a good product designer and brander, right? So both are brilliant in that way. And as a, I, I've got three cats, right? And I would love to, to like toilet train them. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, is this going to work? Like I'm going to need more explanation and training yeah, and so on. Can I just tell you though, when your cat starts going to the bathroom or the toilet, how proud you are. Like, this is like a parental moment. Like I was just as proud, actually probably more proud of my cat using the toilet than my own children because the kids, you know, they're going to learn to use a toilet. Like you've never seen a child walk around high school with a diaper on. You're like, I know that they're going to learn to use a toilet. So it's exciting for them. But when your cat uses it, you're like, it blows your mind. I invited people over my house to see Samantha using the toilet. So um, it's amazing. And it does need more explanation because you're like, how is this possible? Right? Is what you think. And it uses their natural instincts to cover the scent of their waste from predators. So that's why a cat uses litter box. It's the option we give them to cover the scent of waste. 
if you put your cats outside, they would go from like flower bed to flower bed, sand pile to sand pile, and like go to the bathroom in them and like leave them behind to, to, to get rid of their trail. Well, toilets, as we know, as people, this is a lot of information, but toilets, as we know, as people, eh, that covers the scent of waste better than anything else. That's why we use them. And so it's just transitioning your cat to this other option. Instead of using kitty litter, which actually uses perfume to cover scent, let's just go to the bathroom in water and that will do it. All right. I'm sharing the link with Angela, my wife, because like <laughs> we, we, we're going to try it. I promise you we'll try it um, because that would be such a thing. But, and, you know, that's the thing. We see blanky tails and it's like, oh, I want one. I've got my little yeah. nephew over there. He's totally getting a blanky tail, right? No explanation needed. It's mm-hmm. cute. It's on Instagram, I bet, and people running around like in little, you know, it's just fantastic in that way, right? Yeah, it makes you smile. And I've always wanted to sell something that kind of evokes that feeling of like warmth and you just instantly, you know, feel connected with it. Where my other products, it just, it does evoke a lot of conversations. And even with Hoodie Pillow, like Hoodie Pillow is a really fun product and very cool. And some people instantly get it and other people are going, wait, why do I want a hood on my pillowcase, my travel pillow, my beach towel? I'm like, well, let me tell you why. So there's another explanation. <laughs> okay. Um, so inevitably what happens in business, this is sort of the planning and strategy thing, is you've got blanky tails taken off, yep. right? You've got your other businesses sort of, I imagine, in a maintenance mode right now where they're selling, but you're not investing a lot of your personal energy in growing those businesses, correct? Yeah, maintaining. Um, and then you've got top-down planner here sort of in the middle between maintenance and uh, blanky tails. It's taking off. I would say infancy with Top Down Planner. It's, I mean, it's literally just been born. It needs so much, you know, to kind of get it to grow. So, um, you know, I, I know you mentioned your personal values. Um, from a business point of view, the question would be, why not double down on blanky tails and let Top Down go? Um, so I kind of am doubling down on blanky tails because I have to do that. So it, I think you have and this is like in parenting too, right? Like you have to give the child attention that like needs the attention at the time. You just can't always be fair. And so for right now, I've had to shift when I thought I'd be focusing on launching a 2016 planner of top down planner and then doing all this PR circuit and all this kind of stuff for the products. I've had to switch my focus because right now blanky tails is what needs my attention. But um, the good thing is I don't have to let it go. I can just make the product and occasionally make some videos and keep the messaging out there and I can let it sit and let it, you know, marinate in the marketplace and then come back to it. So you never have to, I don't think, this is what I love about creating products and selling them online. You don't have to abandon them. You can just continue to maintain them and then pick them up where you left off. I could decide a year or two from now to go, hey, I want to go back and do some marketing initiatives for City Kitty and see if I can, you know, grow the sales by 20%. I can do that if I want. Um, but right now, yeah, definitely Blanky Tales is what's going to take my attention for the next, I I don't, I don't know when it's going to end, to be honest. So we'll find out. So are you using, um, not print on demand, but um, drop shipping um, for top down just so that like you don't have a bunch of inventory? Uh, no, I don't drop ship um, any of my, like you mean from like my manufacturer to consumers? Yeah. No, um, I don't do that for any of my products. I handle all the shipping receiving in house, but then I also have employees that do the shipping and receiving for us, customer service, order processing, that kind of thing. So that's never been one of my pain points. And also storage is not one of my pain points. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have different pain points in their business. That happens to not be one of mine. Um, for us, we just, you know, we order as many as we need based on projected uh, projected timeframe. And then we just keep it in stock and ship as needed. Okay. Um, 
And I was wondering, because you mentioned um, creating the 2016, if you create, if you manufacture the 2016s, but you don't push it to the degree that you thought, you end up with inventory. Yeah, so, so this is where having a dated planner really sucks, right? <laughs> Tell oh, me about it. Yeah, yeah it sucks so, bad. <laughs> well, this is why I started with, this is my strategy of making the non-dated version of Top Down Planner first. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, let's use the non-dated version, test it out in the marketplace for people that would like a non-dated planner. I went through two rounds of revisions of the non-dated planner, and I'm now making a 2016 planner. I am not going to do near the run that I was planning on doing for 2016 because now I'm caught doing blanky tails. I'm still making a 2016 planner, but I'm just not manufacturing like 30,000 of them. I'm doing far less, but I'm still going to make it. It's just not. And the thing, yeah, the thing that happens is when you have something dated, as soon as it's like January 5th, people are like, is it on sale yet? And you're like, oh, that's not how it works. So I'm just going to make a bit and then... Um, and even I've even thought about the fact I, this isn't the one product. I don't know. Can you see my cat's tail in the video? I can, yeah. It's you great. Know, tail? She's like demanding I pet her. I put, <laughs> she's got my attention. Um, oh my God. What I was going to say. Um, oh, this is the one product though. Top Down Planner is the one product of mine that I carry around with me religiously because this thing helps me focus. I cannot imagine my life without this planner now. And so I will even manufacture whatever the shortest run needs to be just to have it for myself at this point, because it is so valuable to me. So now I'm like, who cares how many people buy it? I'm just going to keep it for myself. I don't even care. I, I mean, I love it. I'm so proud of it. And that's exciting to be so proud of something because I'm not laying around in my products. I mean, I have a lot of products that you can, that are like wearables. I'm not laying around in them every day. This planner, I am walking around with it. It's sitting right beside me right now. So um, so I'll keep making it even if it's only for myself. I don't think that'll ever be the case, but I would do that. Yeah. Trust me. I, I, I get it. I've got one, you know, yeah. as well. And so it's like, but we've learned the hard way, especially on printed ones, um, yeah. the dated aspect of it. Um, you're committing for 18 months when you, when you do something like that, because the production, the marketing, everything like yeah. that. And if that gets thrown off schedule, well, there you are, you know? Yeah. I think one of the challenges, that's part of the reason that I make the product in the United States and then make it so closely to home is that like you can sometimes do shorter runs and then also eliminate this lag time. And I mean, the last thing you need, especially when you have something dated and it has to ship out by a certain time point, it's like you get it in off a boat and it goes, it's like completely printed backwards or something. So that's why we just keep the printing in the United States. I love making any of my products in the US that I can. It's very hard with textile products, pretty much impossible. But with the other products, you can pretty much make a lot of things here in the U.S. If you think yeah. about it. You can make a lot of things in the U.S. We use a, a local Portland shipper, too, because we go down and talk to them. It's like, hey, we need it to look like this. And it's just great, yeah. right? Um, cost more. Yeah. Worth it. It does cost more. But if, from an entrepreneur's perspective, when you're running the numbers and you go, okay, let, let's say, for example, I did a 5,000-unit run. I got it in from China. And then X amount of product is wrong. But I could do a smaller run here. If you really, you have to take those numbers and then really run them out through the entire run, like the entire cycle, and go, did I actually lose money? And this is where I don't hesitate to actually do short runs of products and short runs of prototypes that when we sell them, they're break even. Because at the end of the day, you're actually not losing money. Because what if you made 10,000 of them and they suck and people hate them? Well, you just saved yourself some money by only making 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we had uh, that with Blanky Tails. The first run of Blanky Tails, um, we made like, we just made a hundred. I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. We, I didn't make, I think I even lost money on them, but that's really not a loss. It's a free test of the market. 
It, you know, the thing about it is when we're planning and looking at strategic things, it's like where it's where we place the weight. And, you know, the top-down planner, and I'd say, you know, our planners as well, focus so much on the personal side of things. That they don't look at the decisions that we make on the business side and why we do those. Um, because if you're making your plans, for instance, you've got a pilot or a prototype product and it's like our whole, the whole reason we're doing this is to learn about the market space, right? That's the, that's our key metric is not how much profit we have, not how many units we move, but really validating whether this product works in the way that we think we work, it, that mm -hmm. it's going to work. If that's what you bake into the values or you bake into your um, sort of planning factors, then that's a lot different than what tends to happen is that we print out however many, we look at the numbers and go, oh crap, we lost money. Well, yeah, yeah but that wasn't the point, right? Yeah. Um, I'm really feeling now too, like when you talked about like one of your, your friends or whatever was saying like, don't we both sell planners? I don't even, I'm so thankful to be at this point in my career where like, I don't care if we sell the same product. Like I'm just interested in even talking about just entrepreneurship in general or product development in general. And it's so nice to be at that place because I think that comes not only with experience, but also maturity where like, like if you told me we're having this conversation, this was my first product when I was 25, I would have freaking panicked. And I'm like, how am I going to sound better? Or what? it doesn't matter. It, I'm, I'm glad to be at a place where it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting because I think you're, you allow the product to um, grow more organically when you stop trying to control who you compete with or what the features there has and what yours doesn't and all that kind of stuff. Well, the real, our real, both of our real competitors, are not each other. It's nothing, right? Because people will look at it and go, planning doesn't work. I'm going to think about it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's for me. So we're not competing. Like we're not our biggest competitor. It's inaction. Yeah. Um, and the more that we can educate and say, you know what, like this might work for you. That one might not work for you. Maybe you need both. Who yeah. knows, right? Um, there's room there, but you know, that's, you get to a certain, right? Your, your point, it's about maturity where you realize that it's not that people are either, in the real world, it's not that people are either going to buy from you or from me. The yeah. odds are they're not going to buy from either one of us, right? Yeah. Statistically speaking. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we can just talk about planning and have a fun time and really educate people about why this might matter, so on and so forth. Um, yeah. I'm curious. So you've got, this is more on the entrepreneurial planning and sort of how you do it side of things. Um, you've got four businesses running right now. Yeah. Um, I'm not getting the sense that you have four separate business teams. No. Um, and so. Well, I, I have employees that concentrate. I have um, an employee that, as I call it, I hate this term, but they babysit each business. So I have an employee that actually is dedicated to one business and I usually don't have the metal between businesses because that can get confusing for people. I mean, I know how confusing it is myself. Um, so the infrastructure of the companies, the shipping, the receiving, order processing, all of that kind of stuff, those are the same employees, but then the people that actually do marketing, messaging, and, you know, looking at sales data and stuff, they are separate per business. Okay. So like product managers, basically product and marketing yeah. managers per product. Yes. Okay. Um, cause I was thinking about that when I was talking to my wife, Angela, I was like, I don't think that she has four different like business teams where you've got, you know, six to nine people per product, so on and so forth. It's anyways, just curious about yeah. that. Well then also legally too, like these businesses have different partnerships and stuff like that. So technically on paper, they are like these four separate companies too, like with the IRS, like they are different businesses legally too. Okay. Um, thanks for clearing that up because I know that I'm not, like some of our entrepreneurs are going to be listening like, wait a second, how does running four businesses work? Um, yeah. How does one plan for that? 
You know what? My father is an entrepreneur and I mean, it should be no surprise, right? That I have like, I come from this lineage of these entrepreneurs and these creative thinkers. My mother is super creative, but my father um, has a distribution um, company located in the state that I live in. And um, he started to, I mean, he essentially has these multiple companies too, right? So he started the distribution company that would distribute third-party products. And then he's like, oh, then I'm going to make my own product line. And that actually technically on paper is a separate business. And then on top of that, they started, instead of repping lines, they started buying out the lines completely and is juggling. And, and so even though the infrastructure is all the same, they are separate entities themselves. And that's how these, that's how you grow. When I stopped trying to control of what my business, my business would look like and allow it to be really what I wanted to be, whether it's separate companies or something on paper, um, it made it a lot easier. And I learned part of that kind of from my father. And then also part of that looking for companies like, I forget the parent company name that owns like KitchenAid and, and all the huge like U.S. houseware products. It's located in New Jersey. I'm blanking right now. But it's a, they own like Cathalon, KitchenAid, like all the heavy hitters. It's all one company. It's amazing. And you just allow these brands to grow on their own. And the great thing about that is when you have multiple things going and they're all kind of separate, if one's up, you're still feeling great. Like the other one could be tanking. It doesn't matter because you've got one winner. Um, so I, I like the strategy. It works for me. Yeah. It, it, it obviously is working for you because you're the only person that's been on Shark Tank twice at this point. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I got really lucky there because that doesn't happen. Um, so I, I should be very thankful to the producers, the fact that they actually wanted me back on again. So I'll, I'll take it. Fantastic. Um, all right, let's sort of pull this back on a wrap about planning um, and sort of wrap up the show there. So we've talked around um, the importance of um, really starting with either your, your values or your vision when you're doing planning. Um, we've talked about the value of constraints. Um, we've talked around how um, the actual design of the tools inform how you think about um, the world and time management and planning and things like that. And how planning planners and schedulers are two different product categories. Yeah. Um, any other important points that we want to talk about when it comes to planning? I think I just want to just really touch on the power of planning. And if you haven't done it or if people that are listening haven't done it before, that really this is where these successes that you see these people and go, oh my gosh, how did they do that? Well, they planned for it. And a good example for me is when I was, um, I swam. Swimming was my sport of choice when I was, uh, um, God, starting from the age of like 10 or forget what year I started. But by seventh grade, my focus was on getting a college scholarship. And it took six years of planning and focus and practice to actually get this college scholarship. But then when I arrived to college and I had this full ride, I remember my roommate going to me, well, how do you have a full ride? It's like, well, I planned for it. I made it happen. Um, and that's the same thing like in my life. This is where these successes come from. You, you think about where you want to be in the future and then you just track back to where you want to be today. And I told you before we even started our call you know, the power of planning in that, like for our example of my example of how we were spending my summers, I was just away, right? All summer. And that really all started because five years ago, I went, one of my favorite places to be is the beach. And five years ago, I went to the beach for three days and I, I split a rental with my sister for three days. And then the following year, I was like, okay, well, three days, I really liked it, but I'd like to go for a week. The following year, I went for a week. The year after that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally want to go for more than a week. I went for two weeks. And then the year after that, this past year, I went for five weeks. It was these baby steps of planning going, okay, I can do a little bit more this time, a little bit more. And now I'm at the point where I just bought a beach house. I settled on it in a week. I'm so excited. And it couldn't have happened if I didn't take that first step to stay down there for three nights. 
And then if I didn't take that next step to stay down for a week, these big things happen because you plan for them and you take small action steps every single day. And I just empower people if they haven't done planning before, give it a try. And if you've tried before and it's failed for you, try it again because you never know what's going to work for you. And it's, you know, I just think it's so powerful. Just give it one more shot to do some planning. I, I really hope that the people do. Absolutely. And, you know, no listener to the Creative Giant show is, is um, unfamiliar with my love of planning because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you don't, I come from a military career, right? And you don't leave, a, you don't just like randomly do something. Everything is planned um, yeah. and contingencies are made because the stakes are so high, right? Um, people get killed. Um, hurt, you waste a ton of money and a ton of time, like yeah. if you don't plan well. And granted, the stakes in that environment are so high that, you know, sometimes it feels foreign to people, but, you know, life is short. Life is really, really short. And the time in business is really, really short too. Um, quarters fly by so quickly. Yeah. You know? um, and really, flies by so quickly. I mean, it's, it's, it's not business, it's life. In life. Business. Yeah. Um, I, th I thought it was interesting saying that you have a military background, so I did not know that. But um, one of my friends, um, she works at a Fortune 50 country, company, and she said one of the best bosses she ever had came from the military. I mean, this guy was like, this is how we get stuff done and didn't, you know, just, you know, plan for action and put everybody into motion to make sure a certain project su succeeded. So what a great skill set to bring to what you're doing today is military training. Yeah, thank, it's, it's, thank you for serving too. Um, yeah, um, I'm honored. My country. Yeah, I'm honored. And, you know, that's the thing is um, we're, we recently hired someone and we told them like, so here's the thing. We talk more about how we do the work than any other company that you've ever worked with. Like we'll do something and anytime there's a, something in business is like, what's the immediate response and what's the systemic response, right? Yeah. Um, if we do a project, it's like, let's do an after action review to see how we can do it better next time. How do we document our process so we don't recreate the wheel? And yeah. you just learn that because again, um, there's so many, what, what planning does, um, what, what I talk, when I talk about planning, it's really an awareness generating exercise. That's what it is. The value of planning is not the plan. It's the awareness that it brings to what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and when you do planning right, it builds that awareness. So next time around, like you get to review that and see what happens and not make the same mistakes over again and figure out how to do what you did last time better. And whether we're talking about life or business, it's really pretty simple. Do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Yeah. Planning helps you do that. Yeah. Agreed. My favorite quote is always good luck is result. Good planning. I just I love that. Cause I think everybody thinks that thing is stuff is luck. Um, and you can say that, but that's actually planning. <laughs> I think you just named this episode. Good luck as a result of good planning. Yeah. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. All right. Thanks for having me. All righty, creative giant. So you've heard me and Rebecca riff about, um, planning and how good luck is a product of good planning. So look at the work that you're trying to do. Look at how you want to be in the world. And if you haven't done your sort of routine planning recently, Maybe sit down and do that and incorporate your values and incorporate your vision and start from there as opposed to just the open to-do list. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.